As the Papua New Guinea election gets closer, questions are being raised about the performance of the electoral commissioner, Simon Sinai. The PNG poll begins on the 2nd of July and is set to run for a three-week period through to the 22nd of July. Our PNG correspondent, Scott Wyde, spoke to Don Wiseman about the latest developments and began by detailing Mr Simon's ambivalence over the rules restricting convicted people from standing for the election. A lot of people, members of the public, are seeing his actions as indecisiveness to some extent. Take, for example, the issue of a former convict being allowed to run for office. So that's taken a while since the Supreme Court decision was made. And uh, I guess people expected the electoral commissioner to come out and say, this is what we're going to do and set kind of like a timeline for implementation of that court decision. But it it took a few weeks before the electoral commission. And and within that time, a lot of prompting happened from the media and members of the public on, on social media and outside of social media trying to prompt the electoral commissioner to at least say something or make a public statement. That resulted in a in a statement that came out later saying that former convicts could not run for office, but then it passed on the responsibility to the candidates themselves to declare if they had been convicted. The latest statement that came out was that the electoral commission had tasked those people who were convicted previously to come out and... Uh, I guess, declare what they were going to do. So that has also drawn the ire of the public on this particular issue. Do we know whether there are any former convicts who are standing in next month's election? Well, for example, Paul Tienston, the former member for Pormio, a lot of people are questioning why he's actually running for office. And there's a pardon from the Governor General's office saying that uh, he's been, he has received full pardon and he's eligible to run. So the subtle messages that, that are coming out from the Governor General's office, the, uh, the, the governor, uh, government as a whole, is also throwing into question the integrity of the electoral commission itself. And they've named three candidates, including the former governor for Medang, uh, James Yali, who was previously uh, in prison, as one of the candidates that should come out and declare his interest, that also in quotation marks. And that's also drawn a lot of anger from members of the public who say that, you know, why can't the electoral commission just make a decision, go out and uh, identify those people who are former convicts or who've been convicted and just, you know, bring out a checklist and tick off their names, basically. So that's that's the thrust, that's the narrative coming from the public. Simon Sinai, the electoral commissioner, he's new in the job. Is he just still finding his feet or is he not up to it? He's actually been in the electoral commission for for a while. Like he's a, he's been a senior officer, but as electoral commissioner, uh, I think he's he appears to be struggling a bit because the members of the Transparency International who were just watching the trends. One of them stated that whenever the electoral commissioner says something, it would help if that decision that he makes and most of the statements he makes is off the cuff. Uh, it would help if they were accompanied by a proper media statement and, you know, the media and the public are able to hold him to account. And from my own experiences as well, uh, he's he speaks off the cuff and it's difficult for all that he said to be contained in a statement that the public and uh, authorities are able to hold him to account. So that's the situation that exists. All right. And this is sort of related to some of the work that you've been doing. You've been teaching people about yes. misinformation in the media and in the whatever. To what extent 
Is misinformation or disinformation a significant issue in this election? Uh, you, you know, the, I haven't seen this level of disinformation in the last elections that I've, I've covered. Like, I've, I've seen it in maybe 2017 and the previous one before that. But this one here, like this, this election, is more coordinated. You know, there's a conscious decision put into disinformation. And by various parties, I, I don't mean political parties, I mean various elements within uh, the political circle and within the public space. This information's being broadcast as being trans transmitted through social media? Yes, primarily through social media. Like, uh, for example, I, I guess various definitions of it, you know, so I was posting, you know, the definitions of uh, misinformation, disinformation and malinformation, just so that people would understand uh, the differences. Uh, so, for example, we had an, an, an instance of disinformation, which I actually used in, in the training that I was running, that the regional member for Bougainville, Peter Tiamalili, had been shot and killed. So that was all untrue and within a few hours of that information coming out Peter Tiamalili had recorded himself on video saying I haven't been shot and that is fake and then another instance of a photo of an NCD candidate and uh, Sylvia Pascoe and um, Gary Jufa in, in a very intimate photograph of them and they they had a relationship before so this photo is coming out just on the eve of polling, being spread by people with intentions to destroy their integrity and their, their chances of political office again. So it's, it's things like this that are being spread deliberately and targeting various people. And yesterday we got information again from uh, one of our WhatsApp groups saying that because of that photograph, the party leader, Sir Peter Ipatas, the party leader for Sylvia Pascoe, had withdrawn her candidacy. And that was again untrue. So it's, it's a coordinated effort by various individuals and not just one. It's so many targeting various different people. And, and that's the level of disinformation, misinformation that we're seeing on social media. Is any of it coming from the candidates themselves? It, well, you imagine some of it would be coming from candidates targeting sitting MPs or, you know, from sitting MPs targeting or elements associated with sitting MPs targeting their rivals. But, you know, they, they're using fake accounts, so you really can't tell where it's from originally. But there's a whole heap of fake accounts that have sprung up during this period. Uh, election period and it, and it's bound to increase going into the polls and then uh, onwards into the formation of government. So yeah, it's a it's a whole new disturbing trend that's come out. Like uh, I was in Singapore, we were discussing this and in, in, at a Google conference, and these were this just trends that were being seen in the Indian elections. But now I'm seeing it in Papua New Guinea. You would presume that this is going to have a significant impact on the election. Yes, it may not have impact on rural voters. You know, it may have a minimal impact on rural voters, but for urban electorates, it has a huge, huge impact on because they they have access to Facebook. Voter opinion is increasingly swung by social media, and that's going to be a trend that's going to increase and become more pronounced going into the future and future elections.